0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: thing. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. This is your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest, Aura Nadrich, is a certified life coach and mindfulness meditation teacher. She is a frequent blogger for the Huffington Post on mindfulness and leads workshops on living a mindful life. She is the author of Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever, which is our topic for discussion. Welcome to the show, Aura. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being...
0: Hi T. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great.
1: That's good. <laughs>
0: it's good that people are well <laughs> in this world. <laughs> yes. So your your book says who?
1: You know, it's written very clearly and it provides a very simple method through seven thought-provoking questions to not just identify our thoughts, but to challenge them and then ultimately transform them so that we are able to attain our goals. But at the same time, find peace in doing so. So, what was the catalyst for you writing this book?
0: Well, what I say is that my my original says who moment happened a long time ago, and that was when I was, you know, not quite 15. My sister had a nervous breakdown, and it was absolutely devastating. I idolized my sister; uh, she was just this magical spirit. And she had this breakdown. I'm the youngest of four. I was young when that happened, and it was very traumatic for all of us in the family. Uh, But for me, being the youngest, and I was, you know, growing and developing as a young woman, I had no resource for this, basically. So it really frightened me terribly. It shook me to my core. And what happened fight-or-flight state. And when we go into fight or flight, we feel that our survival is threatened and that we're not going to be okay. And that's what happened to me. I felt like I wasn't going to be okay. And the thought that came to the foreground of my mind was, oh, my God, this is going to happen to me. Because what happened to her felt like if it could happen to her, it could happen to me. So that was a fear thought that came into my mind that was born solely out of my own thinking mind. So that was my original says-who moment, if you will. Fast forward to many, many years later when I became a certified life coach and I started to see my clients, I began to identify a similar pattern in that some of my clients would come to me and they had a thought that had taken hold in their mind at one point in their lives based out of fear and that it was still impacting their lives very negatively. So says who was born out of that when I was working with a client. And um, it just came to my mind, and that's how the book began, the message.
1: And it's a great message. And, you know, it's funny because most of our beliefs, probably 99% of them, start at a very young age, and nobody realizes it, and, nor do we. It's just something right. that happens. It's in, it's born in you. It's ingrained in you, and it, it, somehow something happens, and you may walk around. Perhaps people thought, you know, oh, well, Laura's fine. We're not going to worry about her. She's not the one that had the nervous breakdown. She's going, to, you know, you're probably in high school at the time, and and she'll be okay. Was, she seems yes. to be okay. Yeah, and you just play along exactly. because you don't want to worry anybody else. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing to
0: go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was it was very traumatic, and I think you just described it exactly correct. I didn't realize that it would that it would have this that it was having this type of effect on me until I started to experience anxiety and I didn't know why. You see, because thoughts create emotions, and if you don't really know what that thought is, you're at the effect of it, and it starts to seep into your life on an emotional level, and that's exactly what happened.
1: And it brings about the fear too that well, if that happened to her, it could happen to me, and somewhere deeply seated within us. We still may be thinking that, but we don't realize it consciously, you know, until you can actually get it out, observe it and challenge it and say, okay, that's not going to happen to me. you know, I'm a different person, but
0: people don't understand that all
1: the time. And your book addresses that well.
0: Right. You're you're right. And, you know, if you don't have that resource or that method or that skill set, which I certainly didn't have at the time, and I work with a lot of adults who they'll say to me, or I never thought to question those thoughts before. You know, how do we know to do that? That's why the Says Who Method really introduces that whole idea of, you know, questioning and challenging the thoughts that don't serve our well-being, those negative thoughts that we are so at the effect of.
1: You know, and the name of this show is Energy Awareness, and we're always telling people be aware of your energy and what you're putting your thoughts to because it creates your life, and it creates everything that we have. This world was created on, on a bunch of thoughts, and in order to change this world, we have to change the way that we think, and people are not really doing that well, but now we're at a point where we have to. So, that's thank right. goodness, sometimes, it, sometimes it's horrible things that happen that make us do this. So, you know, you're all about mindfulness, which to me is very, you know, it's, it's almost semantics, mindfulness, awareness. It's not just about being calm, but it's about being in the present moment with total awareness so that you are not thinking about the past, which can be depressing, so that's not good, or projecting into the future, which nobody knows what that is really. And right. you have no mind chatter at all. And that takes work. You know, people don't take the time, but it has a huge payoff, and your book
2: addresses
1: how to do that mindfulness so that we can be living in the moment, because some people think, well, if you live in the moment, you're never going to accomplish anything, you can't plan, but of course you can plan, that's still being in the moment.
0: Planning of course. what you're going yes, to You can right. plan. Planning presently is the type of planning right. you want to do. <laughs> planning with present awareness as opposed to, you know, not being very present and putting all your focus and attention into the future, which is fine to plan But oftentimes it takes us out of the moment that we're in, and you just described it so well. It's true. I like to say there are two time forms that don't exist, the past, which has already come and gone, and the future, Mm -hmm. which isn't here yet. And the one time form that is so real is the one that we're in right this minute. So if we can, you know, really be present in it, then we can plan more effectively. We can plan all sorts of things into tomorrow and many tomorrows ahead of us. But if we're not really present and conscious about what we're planning, then, you know, we're going to move into that next moment or that plan. And sometimes we're not really sure we even wanted to create that plan. So you have to be really conscious and aware in what it is you want to put into the future.
1: And we only really have this moment because we never know what the next moment is going to bring. But if I didn't plan, I mean, you didn't just happen to... Pick up the phone and dial a number, and you got me today. This was planned, you know. Right, you have to plan exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> conscious planning. I'm definitely conscious planning, you know. And and I think that's what people, you know, need to understand. It's that how do we stay present, and and what is really going on in the present, and that really is what says who the method, you know, proposes is. You have to be present to question those thoughts. You have to be in the present moment to even be willing to question thoughts that are causing you unhappiness and despair and a lot of people don't want to take the time and also what you just said T it takes work you know someone said Mm -hmm. to me you know Mm -hmm. the other day oh Aura self-awareness takes so much time and energy (laughs) and I said and work and I said yeah that's absolutely correct it does take time and energy and work but that's the way we come to know who we are to really come to know all the aspects of who we are, Do you know, not just what's on the surface or easy or habitual. Do You know, we want to go in there deeper. We want to know what's really, you know, sometimes running the show of our lives, which we know can be those thoughts.
1: And it's no different than you know, saving money for a car or a home. It takes work. You have to do that, but the payoff is huge. So people oftentimes will tell me, because I'm huge on meditation, and we do meditation all the time, and, and people right. will say, You know, I don't, have, I don't have time to meditate. And I'll say, You don't have time not to. Because you gain more time yes. when you meditate, so you really need that's to. In right. particularly, especially when somebody says that, I'll tell them particularly you because you just said that. You know, now right. I know you absolutely need it. But it's right. you know you miss out on so much when you're not aware, so very much. You you don't savor food, but rather gulp it down for sustenance, and we all do that. I mean, I do that. You're running around during the day, and dinner time comes, and I think, what have I eaten today? And I look in the fridge, and I'm like, oh, half a head of broccoli. Well, good for me. You know,
0: I mean, right? We're hurried you know, a lot. Right, Mm -hmm. T, we are. We're hurried a lot. You know, I say we jump out of bed, you know, like balls out of a cannon. And I I wrote this uh, blog for Huffington Post called The Stay-In-Bed Meditation because it's like you want to connect to your core. You can do that in bed before you jump out of it, you know, because that will set the tone for the rest of your day. If you start your day hurried and you don't catch up with yourself, you're always going to be chasing, whether it's you or anything that you're confronting or that you're facing or whatever circumstance you're in. You're always going to be, like, short by those minutes that you didn't really set the tone for earlier in your day when you began it. So, you know, meditation, as a meditation teacher, I, sometimes I'll say, you know, not to dumb it down, but, you know, I also want to – you sort of demythicize, you know, the intimidation, if you will, of meditation. Because some people are like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't think I'm good at it. I can't stop my thoughts. And I say to them, and I've guided them in meditations and said simply, "If I, I, I just close your eyes. You know, close your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths in and out. Can you do that? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Okay. And if your thoughts start to wander, just put your focus and awareness on your breath. Can you do that? Oh, oh yeah, I can do that. Okay, let's do that for a couple of minutes. And then I say had that feel, they went, oh, it actually felt really good. I go, you were meditating. You know, it's like, let's right. take that word out of the equation and not have a big charge on it. Take the time just to take a couple of breaths. What is that, a couple of seconds of your day? So mm-hmm. when people say, you've heard it, I've heard it, oh, no, 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 I don't have time to meditate, oh, no, I'm too busy, can't meditate, oh, can't do that. And if you just say that to people, can you sit quietly for five minutes we all have five minutes. I don't believe that nobody has, you know, five minutes that they can't spare for themselves.
1: I think that's that right. comes if, down to
0: excuses.
1: It, absolutely. And, and you have five minutes when you're in the shower because if you're actually concentrating in the shower on being present in the moment, you can. it's a very meditative state. And so there you go. Right. There's your meditation. But And I'll tell people, look, three minutes. Three minutes of a meditation where you are really bringing up, Feelings of gratitude, compassion, care, and appreciation that truly will reduce your cortisol levels by 23%, it raises your endorphin levels by 100%, and it lasts for approximately 6 hours. So 3 minutes. I mean, you said 5, I'm asking them to do 3. You know, because I know, I've got the I science know. behind it. I'm like,
0: it's 3 I, I, minutes, people. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, in a way, I have to say, it's not that I'm advocating like really doing the quickie meditation, and right, it seems like right. it's come to that. I'm a, I am learned how to meditate with Transcendental Meditation many, many years ago, and it was mm-hmm. a god because I found that it just added so much to my life. I was an actress then, and I, you know, I wanted something to really just that I could devote my, you know, some quiet time to for me. And that was very disciplined. It taught me how to be a meditator. I had I did it twenty minutes in the morning and twenty minutes at night, and I couldn't. I just looked so much forward to it. That was a yeah. discipline. That's how I was taught. Nobody gave me a shortcut. Nobody said to me when I when I learned it, oh hey, or if you can't do the twenty minutes, do three. I didn't learn that way, but. Right. You know, we live in a different time, and, you know, everybody should do what they can do. There's no rules to this as long as you give yourself at least some time, even if it's just a couple of minutes, to just get quiet, Do you know. But I, I don't want it to suddenly reduce it to a minute. You know, we've already done right. the 20 minutes, and then it's the 10 minutes, and then it's the five minutes. Do, you know, whatever you can. But I don't think people, I think they'd be hard put to make up an excuse that, oh, I can't do that for, for five minutes. Do you know, right. or three minutes as right. you as you suggested.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know it, the science is there. It's it states it all. And in teaching meditation for a number of years, you get to know different people and what they're capable of doing. And I'll even say to people, set your timer for one minute. Just one. Just do me a favor and do one minute a day until I see you next week. <laughs> you know, and that's right, all I want yeah. you to do. And they'll mm-hmm. up it themselves because they finally understand that. If and people say, well, I can't do it. My thoughts go everywhere. And I say, well, see, that's why it's called a practice because
0: you're practicing. Yeah, exactly, it's a discipline. You bring yourself.
1: Practice. Yeah, bringing yourself back. Right there is the awareness. There's your awareness. Exactly. Oh, you knew you messed up, so you brought yourself back. Just keep yeah. doing that. No one, no one's totally successful at meditation. Just, you know, you when you get to that point where you're constantly in a state of meditation, that's when you're dead. So you know, you, you don't yeah, want to go there. and,
0: right? and, <laughs> and you know, in mindfulness as well as you know, being in the moment with with awareness and non-judgment, and hopefully if you can throw that into the mix, some self-love and acceptance, yeah. you know, that's yeah. great, yeah. you know. Uh, but that you give yourself the opportunity, the time to just be present with yourself. And we don't stop our thoughts. As I say in Says Who, we think approximately between forty and 70,000 thoughts a day. So there's a lot of activity going on, and the whole purpose of meditation is to just to try and be to, you know, to quiet yourself down a bit and not to judge yourself if your thoughts are active. It's learning how to quiet those thoughts down so that you're not at the effect of them, so that you're not a slave to those thoughts. And that, that's why I think meditation is so extremely helpful. And the says-who method is about understanding mm-hmm. those thoughts better.
1: Sure, and those forty to 70,000 thoughts, the majority of them are negative and we, mm-hmm. we do that to ourselves. You know, we, uh, right. we do that because of the society we live in. We're so rushed. We have no time. People will tell me, well, you know, am I in the present moment when I'm texting? And I say, I don't know. How do you text? Do you text mm-hmm. thinking I'm really getting a message to someone? Or are you just like fooling around back and forth because you're not? You're not. And right. how much are you missing on the world because you're staring at this, you know, three inch by five inch screen? How much are you yeah. missing out on? It's it's really – that's an addiction. That's another whole show. That's just an addiction Mm -hmm. that, you know, is Mm – nobody was – I don't think you're ever going to find anybody on their deathbed saying, oh, I should have sent more text. You know, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) I mean,
0: I, I, I think that, you know, again, with mindfulness being present in the moment that is, I think that what I say and talk about is that, you know, if you add up all the moments that you're not present in and you want to talk about the end of your life and you do the math there, you've wasted an awful lot of moments. You've wasted a lot of moments that you're never going to get back again. So, you know, it's very easy for people to think, oh, a minute, what's the big deal about a minute? That 60 seconds is extremely valuable. And if you add up all the moments that you're taking yourself out of and putting yourself somewhere either in the past or the future, you've really wasted an incredible amount of precious time that you're never going to get back again. That's right. And I think that puts it into perspective. Do you know that, that it, you know, sometimes it's not about valuing a moment, do you know? But, again, it's what does that moment represent and how many of those moments do we let slide by or we don't really respect or we don't really commit to, do you know? And that, you again, yes. we will not get those moments again.
1: Yeah, we take it for granted until something comes along that knocks us down and says, oh, you know, life is short. And once you've had one of those experiences, you start to look at life a little bit differently. And that... You know that could be the reason why so many people are having those types of experiences to slow them down. Because if you don't do it on your own, you will be shown. <laughs> you will be shown that
0: for sure. You need and I think you know, <laughs> you know, like I also say and says, who you know, your thoughts are trying to tell you something. So don't push them mm-hmm. away. The same right. as you know, listen to look for the signs or listen to the signs or pay attention to the signs that your mind, your body, or your spirit is telling you. It's trying to tell you something very important for you to pay attention to. And if you don't pay attention to it, yes, it will work that much harder to get your attention.
1: Well, and that's actually a good segue into the seven questions that you have because sometimes people will say, well, I don't know if I'm just making this up or if I'm really thinking this or if I'm getting a sign or, or if it's my body talking to me. How do I know the difference? And you have these seven questions that allow people to figure that out pretty easily. In yeah. My estimation.
0: These are thank you, T. These are very straightforward, very what I like to say, logical questions because so many of our thoughts are illogical. They don't really, you know, make sense, and yet we accept them readily, and we let ourselves mm-hmm. be at the effect of them, and we let our mind run the show. And you know, and what I say to people is, but you're creating these thoughts up, so you need to. Challenge your own thinking mind. Do you know, before you challenge somebody else's thoughts and beliefs, you really want to take a close look, you know, look at your own. Yeah, and good point. <laughs> they're, you know, and they're very straightforward questions um, simply because they challenge. They, they identify. They challenge. It's an inquiry. It's, an, it's a questioning process. It's an investigation of thoughts that really do not serve you well. Thoughts that you accept, that you tell yourself, and you just go, okay, well, I guess I should believe that. And people do very readily. And, you know, like I said, I've worked with a lot of clients. They'll say to me, oh, I never even thought to question that. Do you know, it's just not something that you think to do. It's like it's a lot easier to question other people than question ourselves. Sure. So these seven questions, again, very logical, very straightforward. And I say they expose your negative thoughts for what they are and they stop them in their tracks so that you can really look at them closely and go, what, what is that about? What's that thought about? Why am I at the effect of this thought?
1: And to get people into it, you know, the first the, – first of all, your book is not that long. It's, it's under 200 pages. And yeah, you've got a workbook easy, in the very back. Very
0: easy read, yes. Very yeah. easy read. Yeah.
1: And the workbook is in the back. So, you know, at first you may look at the workbook and say, oh, this is too much work. No, don't look at it that way. Look at it and do it with just one thought, and you will realize that – as. As you get better at it, and you just go through the questions so quickly, as with anything, it just quickly you can get to the end result without having to formally write it down in the workbook because you'll be you won't have your workbook with you all the time. But it yeah, is you a won't. And I,
0: I really yes, thank you T. Because I offered up the workbook in in it because so that you could you know maybe write down some of the thoughts and the beliefs that you have that are negative, and What I really want you to do is become so familiar with the Says Who Method that, you know, you can write it down on a post. I now have these really lovely cards that I've created. I did a uh, workshop in Costa Rica at a wellness retreat called Rhythmia, and I handed out all the participants, these little cards, they look like a business card with the questions on them, put it Mm -hmm. in your wallet, put it in your back pocket, learn them by heart. They're so easy to learn that you will find yourself asking those questions. The workbook initially is to get you familiar so that you can really see it on paper. You could write down those thoughts and you can workshop it, if you will, in that workbook. And then you're gonna get the, the hang of it pretty quickly. And if you you commit to it, I say commit to it and it will commit to you. And you'll get really good at questioning your thoughts.
1: You will. And uh, in in reading through it, I can see how – you know, people, so many things are beliefs. Why do you have that belief? Well, because my mother told me, okay, well, why does she have that belief? Because her mother told her, and her mother told her, and her mother told her. Yeah, and, you know, right. and then you find out it's not true, you know. Right. And I'll say to people, look, Newtonian physics is being, has been proven wrong, okay? So all that stuff we learned, it's over. Forget it. Now there's a new day, <laughs> a new, day, a new era, in, in new physics. So the yeah. beliefs are, they're so strong within us, and we we just feel so strongly about them that we we take them and own them and, and say, well, it has to be this way. But if you start using these questions, you realize, well, wait, why does it have to be that way? That's, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. And it no. is only seven questions, and they're, they're very quick to learn. So
0: would you like to go through the seven questions? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, the very first question, very important way to begin, and obviously the title of my book says who. That is such an important first step to take because really what that is saying is that you are going to take ownership over this thought that you are telling yourself. So when you ask yourself, says who, you know, we're very quick to pretend we're not having those thoughts, deny them, stuff them down, you know, all of that. It's really confronting that thought. Says who, who is saying this thought in my mind that I'm worthless, I'm unlovable, I'm this, I'm that, whatever you tell yourself, the very first question says who. Who is saying this thought in my mind? I am. I am telling myself that I'm this, that, or the other. So it's the it's an important first step to take because what that really says is, I'm ready to confront this thought that has really caused me suffering or you know, not let me get on with my goals or it's really impaired the quality of my life in some way. I'm ready to face it. So that's a really important beginning. The second question, going back to a lot of what we've covered so far, have I heard someone say this thought before? So important to identify the thought that has a hold on you because so many of our thoughts did not originate with us. They did begin long ago, oftentimes in childhood. Something was said to us when we were much younger. And we believed it to be true, whether it's a parent, an authority figure, the bully on the schoolyard, the first time you had a boyfriend or girlfriend, something was said to us when it really just, you know, basically knocked the wind out of our sails. You know, we just felt so either hurt or pained or saddened by something that someone said to us. And we were young. We didn't have, again, the skill set. We didn't have a strong, healthy ego to maybe say, hey, that's not true. That's not who I am. So when you can identify when you first heard someone say something to you. And by the way, that can also be used with something you've heard someone say, maybe in the household, that was their belief, and you didn't even realize that -hmm. you took it on as your own belief. And that's how we get a lot of the perpetuating of beliefs that have, you know, been in households where it's, you know, hatred or prejudice or racism, you know, a lot of things that you might have heard in the home growing up that have, in fact, become your own beliefs. So it's really and it important. Is,
1: it is very subconscious, too, because, you know, sometimes something will be said to you once, but that once is so impactful The pain and the hurt that it causes is so great that it affects you, even if no one else says it, even if other people say to you, well, you seem such and such, you know you're not. And they'll be like, oh, well, no, I don't feel that way. Somewhere within them they do, and it is really impacting them to a a huge degree, so much so that they can't accomplish the things that they want. It's not a matter of repetition. It's a matter of impact. And who may have said it? And it doesn't even matter if it's a parent or an authority figure. It could be somebody that said something that you're so sensitive about, it just impacts you in a way that that ruins you forever in that one area. Right.
0: And a lot of the times, that's a wound that we carry into adulthood. Mm -hmm. We we felt wounded. We felt wounded when someone told us we're not pretty enough, we're not smart enough, we're not tall enough, we're not... Uh, good at this or good at that, or we're you know we're we're clumsy or, you know we're we're an idiot so many things that are told to you and in as an innocent young person, and again you don't have the defenses you don't really have the wherewithal or the bandwidth to say, but that's not true and you know think of it as a young person being told something and they it's the first time you're told you're not okay or you 're not enough, and it 's like oh, okay, I guess I'm not enough. I guess I'm not okay because you're telling me that I'm not. And, boy, you know, again, it's just like someone uh, knocking the wind out of you. So that stuff, if if we don't address that, you know, and, and a lot of the work does happen in adulthood because it starts to affect the quality of your life, the quality of your relationships. You know, you project onto other people things that were your wounds your original wounds very easy to project that onto somebody else and be triggered very easy so it's very important to identify staying to the second question identify if you've heard this thought said by someone else another way an easier way for people to identify that is you hear often you know new moms will be talking to their you know child and they'll say oh my god i sound like my mother I'm speaking mm-hmm. like my mother, Do you know, that it starts to, like, channel through you, things that you remembered your mother saying to you. That's how easy that stuff gets absorbed, and then we then spew that out to somebody else, our children, Do you know. So it's, it's yeah. always kind of comical when moms catch it. They're like, oh, my God, I'm turning into my mother. I just said something my mother used to, or my father used to always say to me. So identifying your thought, very helpful. The third question. No, wait one a second. Of, and, wait wait
1: or, a second. Sure. I want to, ask, to go on with this one a bit. Um, they, you know, the, when people say things to you, and it doesn't even have to be somebody you know well, and I'm going to use this person as an example because I'm probably the only person on the planet who feels this way, but John Rickles, God rest his soul, okay? Mm-hmm. I never liked the man. I found him to be mm-hmm. extremely mean. Mean, mean, mean. And people would say to me, you're overly sensitive, he's funny. I'm saying, it's not funny. It's not funny to do what he's doing. It, today it would be called bullying if he was a stand-up comic and looked in the audience and there was a man and a woman sitting there and he'd say to the man, is that your wife? And the man would say yes and he'd go, oh, and walk away. I remember seeing yeah. that and I thought, that was, that was mean. That was mean. I would yeah, get up I mean, and that walk was out. His,
0: I think that was his... You know, brand uh, humor. Do you know it was like yeah. sort of insulting humor, if you will. Yeah. And it had its it had its moment in its place and time. Do you know? Um, I I can't think of a of a more recent comedian who does maybe that particular kind of humor. But it, you know, it was his particular humor. It was. That and he, that, and when he passed, everybody said, "Oh, you know, it's really
1: sad that he passes." It's always sad when someone passes. I understand that. However. You know, I wasn't grieving over the guy Because I thought, well, he was mean And everybody said, no, he was a really nice guy And I thought, he never showed it If this was his shtick, I didn't like it And, uh, you know, maybe I'm the only person And maybe it is a sensitive thing But I've seen bullying all too much I've seen children who have been bullied and And when it gets into adulthood We have a president now who bullies the hell out of anybody He feels like it I don't like that either He too is mean to me And I just think, this is wrong This is something we're not trying to you know, um, it, it have go further in our in our lives here. We're trying to teach children not to be bullies to one another, and we have people out in society who are showing us that, but it's okay because it's funny. Well, it's not funny. People get hurt yeah. because of bullying. People kill themselves yeah, because bullying of bullying. A I see bullying an awful just... lot in my practice, and yeah, there's a lot yeah. that goes on, and I look at that and I say, you got to draw the line. So if somebody says something and you're feeling, you know, it, it, feel sensitive about it, you have a right to stand up and say, no, that's not true. And the bullying just has to stop. And that's something that I think has affected a whole generation, an entire generation of children are It's much
0: more, yeah, bullying because it's on so many different levels and because of the Internet Mm -hmm. today, you know, there's so much going on that, even more so, it's not just personal one-on-one where you're encountering somebody. There's so many ways to bully, and it's a very serious issue. I address it in my book, actually. I have a whole chapter on that and, and how serious it can go. But where I yeah. take that particular subject that you brought up is that it's one thing somebody is saying something to you that's bullying, but it's when you perpetuate what has been said to you and repeat it to yourself where you take on what someone has said to you as real and then you continue to say that to yourself. Those thoughts can really wreak havoc. That's why it's so important to catch it, which is what the Says Who Method is all about, that you can identify it, hey, you know what, this person said this to me, it was hurtful, it was mean, and now I'm telling myself it's true, and now I'm saying that same thing to myself. And that's where it becomes habitual and perpetual, and we have to catch that. We have to catch it in time before it really starts to sabotage and can be very destructive and I even, you know, go into, in one of the chapters on suicide, I'm not an yes. expert on the subject, but I do say that the thoughts that we think, even if it's something that someone said to you, there have been many people that have killed themselves because of being bullied. And yes. it's because they yeah. took those thoughts, they took those things that were said to you, and they continued believing it and continued saying it to themselves oh this person told me I'm this or I'm bad or I'm useless or I'm horrible I, and then it comes into I am useless and horrible and I don't deserve to, to live and all the things that people say which is so dangerous when it gets to that serious of a level so that's why it's so important to challenge our thoughts that maybe did not originate with us or maybe they do and to still stop it before it becomes so destructive. And that's
1: why your book is, is a godsend right now, because we need it more than ever. And it needs to be in the schools as well, because at that level, you do not realize what you're doing. You do not realize what you're internalizing when you're young. Nobody is teaching this in schools. When I teach in no. schools and I'm talking to children under the age of 19 and we're talking about different subject matters, I can see that nobody's telling them this, this, and this And the goodness of who they are in their own being. And that's something that really should be a required course in every, you know, grade level at at a different level for each grade. But this book I think is is good because you do teach people, adults who can, you know, get over, get through, process through in a pretty easy method. So, you know, it doesn't need to be done.
0: Right. It's like you don't want to go that far. You don't, you know, how much longer do you want to be beating yourself up? Right. How much longer do you want to be berating yourself and telling yourself all, all sorts of horrible things way into adulthood? I mean, there's a point where it's like, it's a, you know, aren't you a little old for that? You know, when I say calling yourself names, it's childish. It's like I said in the book, kids do that in the schoolyard or in right. the sandbox, you know you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. It's just you know, there's a point where you just have to go enough enough, but I don't of think people realize negativity. Negativity.
1: i think i think I don't think they realize they're beating themselves up. I think they believe it's an actual truth, and therefore. They're not saying it to themselves. It just is who they are. People no, tell right. me that. I, I mean, say, no, I don't think, think who you are. willingly yeah. and
0: yeah. consciously say, oh, I'm telling myself an idiot, and I'm really right. berating yeah. myself, and I'm really sabotaging myself. It becomes habitual. It becomes knee-jerk. It becomes acceptable, mm-hmm. and that's why I said we accept these thoughts so readily. And, you know, I say your thoughts should be your cheering squad, not your hecklers. And I also that's talk right. about instead Who that those thoughts, they're like trespassers, they're like intruders. You wouldn't let a trespasser come onto your property and go, oh, hey, come on in, take whatever you want, make yourself comfortable, make yourself at home. I want you to look at those negative thoughts as trespassers. They want to wreak havoc. They want to take you over. They want to take you hostage. They want to be troublem- you know, they're They're troublemakers. And Mm -hmm. so you want to identify them, expose them. I say out those thoughts. You want to really identify them for what they are and then do what I say in the book, release and replace. You can release that negative thought and you can replace it with something that is positive, that is constructive, that is productive, and that does serve your well-being. You can do that. You can switch these thoughts out.
1: And then the third question is do I like this thought? Right. That's my.
0: That's my. I mean, I know that one really is my favorite because it's such a. It's such a no brainer. You know, really, I, it is it's like,
1: like oh, I wouldn't be asking. You know what
0: is? <laughs> yeah. What is it about a negative thought that you that you really like? I mean, are your negative thoughts likable? It's it's one of those like. Does that make sense? Really? You know. No, I don't like my my negative thought. I worked with a client and she was really on a jag. She was on what I call the hamster wheel you know, the yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, telling herself the same thing over and over and over again, the negative thought that she was so attached to and was having so much control over her and so much energy that it was expending. And I said, let me ask you something. Do you like that thought? These questions will stop those thoughts in their tracks. And she looked at me like a deer in headlights, and she <laughs> said, no, I don't like this thought. As a matter of fact, I hate this thought. And I said, okay, I just want you to be with what you just said to me you don't like this thought, not only do you not like this thought, you hate this thought. Just She was like, oh, wow, okay, I get what you're saying. You're right, yeah, I am like literally giving into a thought that I not only don't like, I actually hate. Why am I doing that? And she started to reverse it, and that's the whole key of says who. It starts to reverse it. It makes sense. You start to see the logic and how silly it is to keep those thoughts alive in your head when you can actually well, sure. say, enough. I don't want to well, sure, keep hosting that mo- in my mind.
1: The moment you say no, your brain stops, and you start to recreate neural pathways in your brain and deaden the ones that are negative and start creating totally. new positive ones. It's, it's yeah. just exactly what happens with your brain. It's a physical thing. It really does happen. And it does work,
0: saying in, no, and by yes and by exercising this practice by the way because it's very cognitive it's very neural pathway um, mm-hmm. you know directed if you will and that if you start to really redirect those thoughts from negative to positive to stop them, to nip them in their bud, and then introduce or replace, as I say, the positive thought out for that negative, your your mind is going in those new directions. There are new pathways. That's where your thinking will start to default to. It will start to default to a positive place as opposed to a negative place.
1: Well, so and it's really a, I like it's about, amazing. The thing that I like about the third question, do I like this thought, is, it's so ridiculous because you wouldn't ask that question. It has to be no. Anyone who would said yes needs far more help, you know, <laughs> than, than you can provide. And, uh, you know, but to say no, right there, right there, you start to laugh and you think, oh, I don't, and you can feel your body ease. You can feel the relaxation and the calm start to set in because you realize yeah, that's really stupid, I I don't like yeah, that how, thought. Yeah, how
0: ridiculous, how ridiculous mm-hmm. that you have, like, what I how I explained, and I, I'm, I walk this woman through that thought that she just could not let go of. She was on this, you know, again, this jag, yep. if you will, yep. and once she got it, once that, like, light bulb went off in her head, she really caught it. She's like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to get like, it when you get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you get it, you get yeah, it. And sometimes you, you need it. to go over it again and again. And I want to That's save right. you a lot of that waste of time by,
1: yeah. just,
0: you know, asking yourself so simple these questions. questions. Yeah. You
1: know, and then does this Definitely. thought make
0: you feel better? You know, that, that another, another no, it's one. another, another right. no brainer. Right. It's another no brainer. It's like, tell me what it is about your negative thought that makes you feel better. Where does it make you feel better? How does it make you feel better? You know, you're, people are really hard put to answer these questions. And they, oh, some they people are. laugh. <laughs> some people are embarrassed. Some people are thrilled to really be honest to themselves to go, oh, man, I so don't like this thought. And this thought, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel horrible. I am ready to do something about it. And that's what the Says Who method is about it's about the honesty, it's about the confrontation, it's about the owning. It's saying, I'm ready, I'm ready to get this, just like she got it. She was like, okay, I'm over it. I'm over giving that much time and energy to a thought that is useless for me.
1: And then does the thought work for me?
0: Right there, if the the
1: previous two answers are no, then this answer also goes
0: to no. What is working for you about that thought? How is it working for you favorably? What is it adding to your life? Is it working for you in your relationships? Is it working for you in your family life? Is it working for you at work? What is it about your negative thought that's working for you? And, you know, again, I think you're going to be hard put to come up with an answer unless you find your negative thoughts something that you, you know, get something out of maybe you yeah have to there might really be somebody the, yeah <laughs> right you might have to own the fact that you you really are invested in being a negative thinker
2: you're mm-hmm. getting
0: something out of it what it and is and there are people i'm not out sure
1: there that do that the victim mode you know yeah of
0: course trying to
1: get attention of course. And all of that sure you know and some people um,
0: you know some people are very attached to their their thoughts. They're so used to being negative. One of the great things about this method, and I've had so many people contact me, and it's just great when they'll, and they're so honest, they'll say, you know, Aura, I used to be such a negative person. I don't even know how anybody could be around me. And now that I've been doing the method on a regular basis, i got to tell you, I'm so good at catching it when it wants to d- default to an old negative place, my thoughts, my thinking mind, and I've gotten so good at catching it that it's like, I'm so less negative, and it's fantastic. Do you know? I mean, you're going to really like this because you're going to like knowing that you don't have to spend that much time wasting good energy on negative thoughts.
1: And you're working with yourself, so it's not like you you have to bear your soul to someone else if you choose not to. You go through the book, the workbook is there. You bear your soul to yourself, and you start to change. You'll start to change. I can see people starting to change within the first three or four questions. You know, uh, it, it yeah. just makes sense that they would. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, even mm-hmm. if you and what's great about the the method, and I, you know, I created it. I use it. You know, I I when I say that's my one of my favorites. Do I like this thought? You're going to get so good at it that even if you ask yourself just one of the "says who" questions, like a thought pops into your mind, it's you know it's negative. You you know it's oh old, old habit thinking going on here. I don't like that thought. What I'm even bothering with it for? Do you know? Even if you ask yourself that one question, whatever it is, right. it's going get right to right. again it 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 outs it it exposes it and you yep. want to do that and it becomes second nature and as we've talked about the neural pathways we you know breaking the habits introducing new ways of thinking this is creating new healthy wholesome productive you know new ways of thinking it's it's really as with, anything else, as with
1: anything else, one question, you know, will end up getting rid of the whole thing. It's not that it's a shortcut. It's that you've already in your head gone through the other questions so quickly. Things happen so very quickly. You know, the synapses yeah, go so and fast. You have to do is, is, you know, I'll get to question four and say, oh, my God, what am I thinking this for? I know it doesn't belong right. to me. It doesn't make me feel good. It's not working for me. So let me go to the next one. Am I in control of this thought? And yes, you are.
2: There's a yes. You are in
0: control of it. It's so true. Of course we are. We are, as I say and says who you are, the creator and master of your inner dialogue, which creates your reality. And people will say, "Oh God, you know, I, Aura, you know, when that negative thought starts to really, you know, drive me crazy, I feel like it's taking me over. I feel like I'm out of control." That's how you feel, and so you want to surrender to it in that way, which really is giving your power away to your own mind. It doesn't make sense. You're creating this thought and yet you're going to give up and give into something that you created in your own head. I mean, again, this is so logical versus illogical. So I say, yeah, you're right. That's how far that thought has gone. That's how much energy you've given it, that you you start to feel that it's controlling you. We're in the driver's seat of our thinking minds. Sometimes we definitely feel it i i really want to let people know out there i know what that feels like i know what it feels like when a thought takes over and you feel like you can't shake it off and you feel so plugged in and so triggered and so at the effect of this thought you know when we finish the seven questions that's why i you know if we have time to go into why being an observer is so important in this process which we went straight to the questions that's a very important and integral part of the Says who? Method that you have to learn how to also become the observer of when that thought starts to percolate. So yes, that, and then of course it does take us to the seventh final question, right? Which is, do you
1: you know, do you want to keep the thought or let it go? I mean, you yeah, know. <laughs> and
0: and again, logic prevails. It's like it, you know, you've stepped forward, you've owned it, you know, it's a thought that you need to change out and transform into something positive you know that you you know you've identified it perhaps that it originated with somebody else if you can you know connect that dot that like you know what I'm taking on someone else's thought and I'm over it I don't want to keep thinking someone else's thought that I've been carrying around for the last god knows how many years you don't like the thought it doesn't make you feel better it's not working for you and you know that and you're really tired of feeling like you're out of control i think once you've answered all those questions honestly You can say by the seventh question, oh, yeah, I am so ready to let that thought go.
1: And go ahead, do tell us about The Observer simply because we are getting close to the top
0: of the hour. (laughs) The Observer, you know, I start the book really with that before you dive into the questions. We sort of reverse it, which is perfectly fine because now we understand what those seven questions are about. But right. things right. like when I just said, look, let's be honest, you know, you're going to have those thoughts. You're going to have knee-jerk reactions to thoughts sometimes so quickly. I also go into the book about automatic thoughts. Automatic thoughts sometimes take us over so fast we didn't even see it coming. You right. know, I, I <laughs> cite I cite road rage as an example of that. Someone cuts you off in traffic, uh, what yeah. happens? You have an immediate knee-jerk reaction to that and you blur something out like, what an idiot, or, you know that's how road rage happens. It takes you over. So that's nice you, road know, rage. <laughs> what?
1: That's nice road you-
0: rage. Yeah, that's nice road rage. There are other
1: words and people use for road rage. They sure do. I say that
0: in the book whatever expletives yes, or whatever do. you want to say, you know. Yeah. But the danger of that is the reason why I cited that as a as an example is that's how far people can be taken over by something that someone does and then you say something and then you believe something that person's this that or whatever. I now have to go after them. You know they're a, they're a menace to society or whatever it is right. you mm-hmm. tell yourself. So not everybody lets themselves be taken over to that extreme. But what the uh, being an observer, why that's so important? Again, going back to mindfulness, being present is that when you get really good with the says who method, you will be able to uh, to feel that thought percolating. Like oh here it comes, oh, that negative thought, it's just, oh, I can feel it. I can feel it viscerally, I can feel it in my body, I can feel myself starting to feel like I'm, I'm getting angry, or I'm going about to say something to this person that isn't very nice, or whatever. When we're the observer, it's like we're the witness to ourselves, so that if you were watching right. somebody who was losing it and was screaming at somebody, you would look at that person and go, wow, boy, they're really out of control, what, what's going on? It... You know, you need to be able to be aware when you are letting that thought take you over. And then when you do, you go into what's called reactive mode. And you're already reacting to that thought. You're already reacting to something that you're either telling yourself or someone is telling you. And if you can catch it, you know, again, whatever's going to work for you, take a couple of deep breaths in. You know, just say, Hold on a minute here. I'm going to take a moment just to compose myself. You know, there's so many things we can use. I, I bring up the breath, especially as a meditation teacher, because the breath is the most amazing thing we have. You know, it completely can ground us. It can center us. I mean, we you know, you get dizzy or you feel nauseous. What do you do, that old remedy? You breathe into a bag. You know, you take a couple of deep breaths if you have to. Or just be aware that this thought is about to take you you over and you're not going to let that happen because you're in control and if you can and if you can observe it and note it and say okay i get it i'm i'm plugged in right now let me let me take a, you know, a minute here just to compose myself then you won't react and then you won't be at the effect of that thought
1: and your breath is free it's easy and it's with you all the time
0: that's right you take doesn't it everywhere cost you anything. go doesn't cost anything exactly you can do you know? it anywhere yeah. any place you know at any time the, of day or night
1: the benefits of having your breath with you to use as a tool are incredible
0: know. you know i know
1: counting know, to 10 breathing in you know yeah breathing totally breathing.
0: yes yeah and you know. <laughs> I'm all, by the way, I'm all for self-talk, not critical self-talk, but like right. good self-talk. Right. It's good to talk to yourself. It's good to go, oh, okay, hold on a minute here. There I go, about to give about to give into this. Not well, such a good my, idea. You know, you're
1: validating your own mindfulness so when you start to talk to yourself because right. you can realize that, wait a minute, now I know what I'm doing. And then you start going right. off in a, a different way and saying, oh, I see, I'm learning. I know this. This is good. What was my problem? Right. What was my thought? On, you know, so yeah, exactly, that
0: can, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so you start to see that it's interesting because I mean, I I worked with a client and she said to me, you know, Aura, uh, you know, because she's been doing the method for a while now, and she said, you know, one day I found myself like I wasn't worrying because I also have a chapter in the book though something to worry about thoughts and she said, yeah. you know, I wasn't worrying or or picking myself apart or all my old thinking habits. She goes and like three hours went by and I'm like, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> something must be wrong because yeah. I, 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 I'm not used to not something, you know, attacking my mind. And I said, isn't that interesting that we become so habitually used to defaulting to those thinking places? Let me worry. Let me criticize myself. Let me judge. Let me be negative. You know, let me go into fear. You know, we're so used to going to those places that when suddenly we have new habits, healthy Habits that we're creating for ourselves, thinking habits, it's like, wow, this is a whole, three hours have gone by and I haven't been negative. Isn't that great? Do you know? When you're worried about, when you're worried because you have nothing to worry about,
1: you need to find (laughs) things to do. You you really need a hobby or something, you know? Definitely. Oh, my goodness. We are almost at the top of the hour, or but before we go, I would appreciate if you would tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Says Who?,
0: well, a very quick and easy way to get my book is, I think, on Amazon. It, it, you know, one click and you can order it and get it pretty fast. Or, you know, Barnes and Noble or any of the book outlets. And if you happen to have a local bookstore near you, I'm sure if you go in there, that they, they can, you know, if you're not a computer person and you want to go into a bookstore, I think that most of them can order it. Uh, and it's also available on Kindle as well and my website is oranadrich.com o-r-a-n-a-d-r-i-c-h and i have a lot of things going on on my website you can even order it on the book tab if if that's something you want to do and check out some other things that are on my website like my videos and upcoming events and schedule things that i have going on you can do that as well
1: Yes, the website does have a plethora of informa- information, so do check that out. The uh, videos are very interesting to watch. And they're short. They're not long. Some of them are like a minute and 47 seconds. I mean, you Yeah, know, thank
0: you, T, it, for they're mentioning not long. that. Yeah, yeah. some yeah. of them are short, yeah. for sure. Yes, yeah. you'll get
1: some good insight, which will just make you realize, yes, this is something that would be a good tool for me, and then you can immediately go from that side. Right, to the tab button that she has and order the book it's it's all good mother's day is coming yeah. you can get it real quick too, i'm sure so you know it, it, it is right. a it is a great tool so um thank you thank for that you. for writing this tool for people it's a wonderful addition oh. to our work
0: and thank, thank you, you so, so much, much T,
1: for being on air i appreciate it i uh I, it was a great show and i appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and join us so thank you thank you oh, thank you thank you for having me No problem at all. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively healthfully and purposefully and this is where you find the tools to do just that so send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make a world better place for all on behalf of Everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Please be sure to check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, no compensation to anyone of any kind. Uh, and, you know, every single penny, every penny goes to kids in need, and there are so many thousands that are in need. I'm also the author of the soon-to-be-released children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves, so look look for that coming out in August 1st. And make sure that you go to visit our website, sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRGAwareRadio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week, Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well
2: I got.
3: I remember